Welcome to Dakota Health, a health and medicine podcast from the University of North Dakota School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I'm Kristen Peterson, along with host Brian Schill. Each episode of Dakota Health explores a specific healthcare topic with UND-based faculty, students, and staff from across North Dakota. Today, we speak with Dr. Sandeep Singhal about epigenetics, cancer biomarkers, and the troubling differences in cancer diagnoses and outcomes between patients with different racial and ethnic backgrounds. Thank you for your time, Dr. Singhal. It's good to see you in person. I appreciate it. Um, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. All right, how about you? I'm good, thank you very much. Thanks for asking. So you're relatively new to UND, right? Um, and so I'm just wondering, uh, where were you before UND and how were you adjusting to North Dakota? Yeah, it's a long history. I have lived in so many different continents. Mm-hmm. I studied in India. I did my bachelor's and master's degree from some of the reputed institutes from India. And then after my education, I got a wonderful job in uh, industry. I started working as a software engineer, then I went to the management, and I worked for Dove Chemicals as a manager. But at certain point of time, I realized that uh, I'm not excited about all this kind of work, and I want to do something different. So I quit all those jobs, moved to Europe, and I started my PhD at Jules Sport Institute, which is a very well-known institute in the area of the breast cancer. Jules Porte was a person who got the Nobel Prize in developing the immunotherapy. And this was their institute, which is where fully dedicated to the breast cancer research. And I was so lucky I got a full training in that area. We, uh, we developed some of the biomarker, which was in a clinical practice. And now we are working more biomarkers and uh, to develop better prognostic and predictive tools to, as an indicator of uh, different disease. Um, so earlier then, you'd mentioned um, in Belgium you got interested in cancer research, and so you've sort of settled on that too for your career. How did you, how did you get started in cancer, and why have you decided to stay focused on that condition? So during my uh, master's time when I was doing my master, bioinformatics even was not a word which was very well known uh, throughout the, even the uh, educated community. And there was, uh, none of the book was available. I remember that uh, we were waiting for the first look of the NIH website, which was under development. And there we found first of the uh, first genome, which was Aeroptopsis thaliana. And that made me so excited. And then I decided, okay, I'll look into that. I developed some software to look at the genomics of that plant. And by the time, like, I am getting more and more uh, interested in that area. And I wrote a book uh, at the time to uh, find out what all the algorithms that they are using uh, behind all the tools that they are developing at NIH. And uh, therefore, like when I found I get a uh, proper time, I jumped into that area uh, with a like very nice opportunity, which I got it at uh, Belgium. Please explain for the listener what a biomarker is, Dr. Singal, and what what role do they play in health management? 
so biomarker is something uh, as popular as nowadays as we can see the chat gpt in the ai area and all the people either they are ai people or uh, they are clinician biologist they are very much interested in biomarker but what exactly the biomarker is biomarker can be anything which can which we can measure as an indicator of changes in the biological process between the normal human being and the person who is moving towards the disease or going through some treatment to find out whether with their treatment is working well or not so biomarker are the measurement used to perform the clinical assessment they can be molecular they can be cellular or biochemical biomarker can be as simple as an a uh, blood pressure a high blood pressure which we use to measure at the heart stop or it can be a glucose level which we measure as a diabetes and to the complicated level where we look at the certain number of genes and proteins which help us to identify whether a certain person is moving towards certain disease especially cancer and if they are already diagnosed with the cancer what subtype of cancer do they have what kind of treatment will work best even after a short term of therapy we can identify whether the therapy is going in the right direction if specifically it is targeted therapy and what are the chances that someone will be uh, will have uh, early or late toxicity after the treatment so we can start with the early diagnostic till the end of the treatment management with the help of the different biomarkers very good thank you so we do as you know a lot of what we call translational research here at at UND and um that's a quick way of saying that we study how discoveries on the laboratory bench or in the lab translate to bedside treatments for patients so how might these breast cancer biomarkers you mentioned uh, be used in this bench to bedside strategy Yes so this is very uh, informative to find out what all the biological changes that are uh, going to happen due to, uh, due to during the progression of certain disease if we look at that there are certain genes or certain proteins uh, proteins which are changing significantly in the patient who has some uh, disease compared to the normal person that we can use them as an indicator but not all the time those indicator are uh, informative because there are so many other factors such as social economical factor lifestyle environmental and clinical pathological conditions they they all contribute to develop uh, the appropriate treatment process for a particular human being who is diagnosed with a particular disease so we are trying to uh, measure those changes with respect to all other uh, changes as i mentioned like social economical status environmental factor lifestyle to find out which particular biomarkers are in an indicator of the risk of the disease or the response of the treatment in a particular patient so if we are able as uh, we will successfully uh, discover all those things we can work on a targeted therapy so not all the patient will be treated with the same drug so everybody will have a particular drug which will target a particular gene or protein which is causing that problem 
and then rectify the uh, issue at local level before it is spread into the different part of the body. Very good. The part of the, the work you do as well, including one of the papers that I mentioned earlier in the introduction, um, explores racial disparities and sort of the racialing of cancer diagnosis and treatment. And so I'm wondering if you can help me understand the impact that race and ethnicity have in breast cancer, uh, again, a diagnosis, treatment, and the disparities, uh, how, they, how they come about and what the implications are for precision oncology, as you call it. Yeah, so this is basically a very nice question. And uh, as uh, people are getting more and more aware in that area, they are willing to contribute to the clinical trials, which was not the case previously. So all the biomarkers which were developed in last decade were mainly, for, uh, the samples were mainly collected from one particular race. And that is why they work well on that race. But what we found or what other clinicians found that uh, they do not work same as on different race. So as a researcher, we try to look into that and find out since the biological process of all the ethnicity and race are a little different and cannot uh, the same biomarker cannot perform or cannot, cannot be function same as all other uh, in all uh, human beings. So before moving toward the personalized medication or targeted therapy, we thought like, okay, this is the major component that we should take care of. And we stratify the biomarkers with respect to the different ethnicity and different race. And results were very interesting. What we found is all the biomarker which is developed earlier, they work very well on a Caucasian population because most of the samples that were collected to perform those kind of research was Caucasian population. But as I said that when people are getting more and more aware about all those technology and uh, benefit of those uh, studies on their treatment and diagnostic, they are participating in this kind of research. And therefore, we found a very big population of uh, African-American uh, uh, patients which uh, contributed to uh, our study. So the biomarker that we identified, they are specifically showing that they are having much more impact or much more uh, like better outcome in a black population as compared to the white population, which was not the case earlier. So earlier, all the biomarker uh, which was developed, they are very good uh, in case of prognostic and prediction for the Caucasian population, but not as same as uh, the African population. And that is why when somebody is diagnosed with the same kind of uh, breast cancer, exactly the same clinical and pathological condition, and treated in the same way, the response is not the same. And that is because the treatment or the biomarker that we use to find out a treatment management or diagnostic tool is not developed based on their population. That was based on, they were developed based on uh, the uh, general population, which was not entirely dedicated to their genome. So that is why we focused our research to find out more targeted treatment for a different ethnicity group. And here we have published two paper uh, which is one is based on a chiso protein, which is a functional protein. 
and uh, uh, this is elevated in the breast cancer, prostate cancer, and colon cancer. And high level of uh, Kaizo is an indicator of poor survival uh, compared to the low level of Kaizo, and specifically in the uh, African population. And similarly, we have find out another gene uh, protein, which is GP78, which is endoplas endoplastic reticulum uh, resistant E3 ligase. This protein is also associated with the poor prognostic, but only in African women. So if we develop these kind of biomarkers, which we can say, okay, this GP78 specifically work for African uh, uh, women and give an indication whether this uh, person is having a good survival or poor survival or will respond to the particular drug or not. Similarly, that other biomarker that we have for the most common biomarker is known as ER status. So ER status we have find out is work well in uh, Caucasian population. So all the biomarkers which was developed previously, for example, ER, uh, FOXA1, GATA3, so they work well, but they work in a different population at uh, with a different uh, sensitivity and specificity. Wow, that's very that's fascinating for one. But also, let me help help me understand, or maybe I'll try to uh, summarize if I'm under just to make sure I'm understanding you correctly. You're suggesting a person's racial or ethnic background might influence the biomarkers they possess or do not possess, right? So different, again, if white versus black might have different biomarkers for certain cancers. Is that right? Yes. Wow. And so that's that's fascinating. Um, you maybe know this too a bit. The rates of cancer incidence vary by population greatly, right? And certain, I guess, minority groups in the U.S. tend to have higher rates of certain cancers, and that includes breast cancer for black women? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And that is what the reason is, like, so all the treatment and all the uh, biomarker that has been applied to all the population, they are not uh, race or ethnicity specific. And as I said, that they do not work uh, same on a different population. So we always encourage more and more people should come forward and participate in that clinical trial so we can understand their biological process uh, and can uh, built a better diagnostic tool and treatment management tool for them. Very good. So just to clarify for the listener too, you are a lab-based researcher and your work benefits, obviously help patients, right? But you help develop tools for physicians also in the clinics and hospitals. Um, so your work is designed to benefit patients directly eventually, but are there ways in which the patient benefits uh, the research that's ongoing? Yes, so it's a two-way process, as I mentioned. So if the patient is willing to participate in the clinical trial, then we can see like if the patient is not uh, following the same trend as the other patient, what is the difference in their genetic profile? And that help us to understand like not all the biological process are uh, same across the different race. And we can build a targeted treatment and to find out, okay, to avoid unnecessary toxicity and uh, treatment to a uh, person who has a different uh, genetic profile. We can target a particular uh, treatment which will be uh, helpful to diagnose and treat a particular area of that uh, disease. So maybe this is the last question based on the questions that, um, that we've been discussing, but... 
You have, of course, many national and international collaborations with several institutions uh, around, again, the globe and the country, including Columbia University, as we mentioned, Johns Hopkins, and so on. So how does that kind of collaboration help improve the research? In fact, I'm assuming your research benefits greatly from international collaboration or national collaboration. Yeah. In the current scenario, there are a lot of development which is happening on a daily basis. And there is no uh, just one institute which can control the entire technology or entire brain. So that is why we need a different uh, kind of people who are expertise in different area. So fortunately, we are able to develop a team of uh, all the expertise, which includes a clinician, pathologist, microbiologist, uh, lab technicians, bioinformatician, to combine all the uh, research at one platform and then look at uh, the entire outcome from different angle. So if I find something as a bioinformatician, a clinician can look into that and find out, okay, whether it matches with the outcome of the patient uh, current uh, stage whether it is exactly the same, whether they are responding or non-responding to the treatment. At the same time, a pathologist can look into their uh, pathological profile and find out <clears throat> whether the biology is supportive uh, to the outcome. And this is also aligned with the uh, genes and proteins that we are identifying so that in future, we can build a better diagnostic tool. We are also working to develop a digital pathological tools as a biomarker. So rather than a tissue will go to the pathologist and AI will help the pathologist to find out the entire structure of the cells in that tissue and find out based on the AI, what will be the outcome of that patient or whether the particular treatment is suitable for a patient or not. So that is a kind of research that we are doing internationally and uh, that is why we need a team of expert uh, in a different area with a different tools and different uh, facilities. And uh, as I said, like uh, we are, um, we are very, we build a very good uh, collaboration with all the different universities. Very good. So when I give tours of the building, uh, Dr. Singhal, I often tell folks about the research area that we have, say, behind the doors of the laboratory space. Um, not just one discipline on one floor and another on another floor, but we'll have pathology and cellular biology and maybe molecular biology and so on um, side by side in a laboratory. And so I tell them that because it's my sense that having the interprofessional collaboration you mentioned, even within this building, helps improve our chances of getting grants from the NIH and NSF. Is that your experience? Yeah, definitely. Because all these components are very important as we know that our body, we consider it as, as a one unit, but it has also a molecular composition, cellular composition, bio, biochemical composition. So we cannot uh, neglect one when we are measuring the other. So therefore, when we do the research, we try to look at the disease or the response in from all the, uh, possible angles. So if we are looking something from molecular point of view, we are also interested to find out their pathological component so that we can look at the cellular label. We can all, we are also interested to find out what is the current stage we, uh, through the 
biochemical composition. So that is what we call is multi-omic analysis, where we design our research in a way that we can start with the genes or proteins and can move at the cellular level and then we can capture a current state through the metabolites. So this is an entire process. Then we have certain controls that we would like to measure through the epigenomics. So epigenomics also play, uh, plays an important role to find out which, what happens and why this particular gene has been triggered and producing a particular protein. So those kind of technologies, if we are not aware about uh, uh, different components, we cannot be successfully develop a, uh, a cure or a particular diagnostic tool. Thank you for that, Dr. Singhal. So you also, as we noted, you have a joint appointment with um, the College of Engineering and Mines here at UND to do bioinformatics and sort of a data science. So give me a sense of what the role of the current data science is within health research. So data science is currently a major component of uh, the health science because we have collected so many data and it is freely available and it is unexplored. So that is the area where we can uh, work a lot without spending a single penny. So we need to look into that and find out, okay, what is the question that we are trying to answer? If the data is available, we can extract that information easily without wasting money, without wasting time. And then we can at least look into that, okay, our hypothesis in the right or wrong direction. So here the data components plays an important role. And we are here trying to develop a large data center together with all the tools that can help researchers who are even not uh, in the field of uh, coding or data science can also perform by their own on a different uh, component of their research. And recently we got, uh, we have developed a module with a Google uh, team. This was a grant supported by the NIH. And this is a multi-omic uh, platform that we have developed where you can integrate genomic information together with the epigenomic information without uh, writing any code or without having a supercomputer or high performance computer. Just using a Google Cloud account, you can upload your data and can perform all the research and at the end you can test your hypothesis whether a particular gene or protein or particular epigenomics is, uh, in, is in the right direction that where you are thinking for. Wow, that's amazing. Well, this has all been very fascinating. Dr. Singhal, thank you for your time, and um, we look forward to more of your lab discoveries in the future. Thank you so much for your time and uh, inviting me. Thank you so much. Founded in 1905, the UND School of Medicine and Health Sciences is the only MD-granting institution between Minnesota and Washington State. In addition to its four-year program in medicine, the school houses degree programs in athletic training, medical laboratory science, occupational therapy, physical therapy, physician-assisted studies, and public health. It also hosts master and doctoral programs in biomedical science, clinical and translational science, and indigenous health. Since 1973, our historic Indians into Medicine program has produced hundreds of indigenous physicians, therapists, 
lab scientists, and other health professionals for practice in rural and underserved areas. Learn more at med.und.edu. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the University of North Dakota, the UND School of Medicine and Health Sciences, or the North Dakota University System. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this program as medical advice to be used in the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition for yourself or others. Consult your own health providers for any medical issues you may be experiencing.